All right, everybody, we are back again. Welcome back to the Text Lab for another week of diving into Romans together. David Croc here with the one and only Will Watson from the Green Room of Vintage Grace. Will, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's a good week. I was out of town last week. A um, little vacation, little trip, little vacation. Survived. Had the two girls flew flew across the country. My wife's a little too pregnant to travel with us, but they both came back in one piece. So praise God for that. I'm very impressed that you are here. The girls are alive and healthy. Will, kudos, man. Well, thanks, dude. This is. Although we may think this is not a travel podcast, actually, this is the text lab for our listeners who do not know where every single week we do a deep dive into the text to help you prepare for your life group this week. Our goal is simple to help you be a disciple who makes disciples. So whether you're leading a life group or just trying to do some deep dive on your own, we hope the text lab helps you have meaningful study, reflection and conversations about what God has said in his word this week. We are diving into Romans 2, and we will pick this up in verse 12. Let's dive in. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Will, ton that we can dive into here in verses 12 through 16. Again, not a very long passage. Drew is being very kind to us on the podcast these last few weeks, allowing us some bite-sized chunks that we can really dig deep in, hopefully for your groups too. You guys can kind of just sit and marinate in this these parts of Romans chapter 2. Um, but a lot here, where do we start? How do we not even get lost in all the different things Paul is saying here about the law um, and being justified in some different pieces like that? What, what pops out to you as we start to dive in? Yeah, I think like... Again, so much of this text is just talking about um, the the leveling of the playing field. So last week we spent some time like leveling the play, playing field in the sense of like, hey, your salvation is not based off of um, whose great, 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 great grandchild you are, right? Like this week, Paul turns attention mainly to the Gentiles here. He's basically saying like, hey, even if you did not know the law, right, you still have it written on your hearts. You, there's something within you that um, is, there's this common grace. There's this common ability to understand uh, Romans when we, we saw it there by saying like, okay, God is the creator of the universe. You, um, you know that God is the creator of the universe, yet you still decide you want to be creator. The same concept is going on here. Paul's almost actually mirroring what's happening in uh, the second half of verse one, uh, which is pretty interesting, but it's also neat. So, I mean, we, we say like sin without the law, that's basically saying this acknowledgement of the law of the old Testament. When you think about like disobeying God, right. 
Um, which I think is really fascinating when you go to, and maybe this is like too big of a rabbit trail that crawl pull me back from, but, um, it's really fascinating when you talk about the law in the garden, right? It's like, God has good things that have have been set up for us to partake and walk in and sin in itself is never safe. And so even before the old Testament law is written, there's this, there's this for all people, this health that we're able to walk in because this is what God calls us into. Yeah. I, and I think this is fascinating where as we, you really look at verses um, 10 and 11 of last week, going all the way back to verse 6 through 11 last week, Paul's really kind of addressing the, the Jews in the first century church that would have thought, I'm good to go because of Abraham. I've got salvation because Abraham was my father. But now Paul is really even addressing the Gentiles and also saying, hey, you're not off the hook because you weren't a Jew. You're not off the hook because you didn't have the law. The universe has been declaring the glory of God. And really, again, his main point here is everyone needs Christ. Everyone needs Christ. You must be in Christ, which is real argument that he's building to that we'll really get to next uh, in the next few weeks, months in chapter three, pointing towards chapters five, six, seven, eight, with the kind of the heart of the Romans text about salvation in Christ, about being justified in Christ and in Christ alone. And so he's really building towards that argument. And like you said, he's really laying the level setting the field and uh, kind of just laying the groundwork for that. And with this reality that everyone has this awareness, this conviction of their their sin, and they still fall short of that, even without the law, it, it reminds me a lot of like what C.S. Lewis wrote about in Mere Christianity and Natural Law. Uh, Lewis wrote that, this is a quote that I, that I love, he says, Natural Law shows that the being behind the universe is intensely interested in fair play, unselfishness, courage, good faith, honesty, and truthfulness. And that those things are just revealed in the way that the world is set up. And Paul is saying, hey, even without the law, that can still be evident to your heart. That can still be evident to your life. There still are these signs pointing towards God, ultimately, that point towards Christ and every single person's need for Christ. And he talks about that in uh, verse 15 when he when he says that they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. 100%. And I think like, so we had a really good conversation in our life group last week um, about just like the nature of sin in a world that is so postmodern and sin is relative in their eyes, right? So it was fascinating like being... Um, just being in some spaces and places last week where I realize like that the idea of your truth is the only truth that matters is actually like detrimental for everybody involved. Like being cr like trying to be creator in your own little world is not healthy or prosperous for anyone. And I think like that is like, that's the, that's what I'm seeing here is like, they know they're not the creator. Everybody knows they're not the creator yet that they want the power that the creator has out of their own sinfulness and pride and honestly, our own sinfulness and pride. And so I think like that's written on our hearts. That's written. Like I think about myself who like grew up in the church or who didn't grow up in the church. And I'm like, man, I know that something's off the life that I want like can like I came to a point at senior in high school like by the grace of God that I was like man the life that I thought I had like that I wanted like will never fulfill me 
And so why, why is there like, what's that missing piece in my life that I don't have? And what do I need to get that? That's, that's what we're talking about here. And I love how you just articulated that because I think in different words, you just said the law of God is written on your heart. As a senior high school, before coming to Jesus, there still was this sense of something more, the universe that God has created pointing back to himself, the way that the world is set up, um, that something is off, that you're still experiencing this reality of the fall and your heart is longing and wanting something more. And Paul really is saying that you need salvation in Christ, no matter who you are, whether you are a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, you need that salvation in Jesus. Because thinking about our culture and we did, we talked about this a few weeks ago about how do you have conversations about sin in a postmodern post-christian world how do you have conversations about god in a postmodern post-christian world and i think these are some of the first places to start because everybody says your truth is your truth until your truth gets violated by someone else's version of their truth right like live and let live until Someone cuts you off on the freeway, and now that person is going to hell. Live and let live until somehow you, you, someone steps on your toes, or you, what you want, you're not able to get what you want, or it's violated by by someone else and, and by something. And so people inherently recognize some of these things that doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It is so relative. And I think those are some of the even best places to start to ask some bigger questions with people um, who don't know Jesus. And a lot of times it's just starting to kind of pull back some different layers, getting into some of those conversations. And it's often with um, a trust in a relationship that has been built through connection that has been built by seeing good works in life and having a reputation that points them to Jesus. But I think these are some really easy places even to start having a conversation with a yet-to-believe friend, neighbor, coworker um, about the reality of God and what do they actually think about that. Well, and again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Like, people are aware. There, there comes a point when people are aware deeply of their own sin. And I think like we're able to step into those spaces and places and be like, hey, that's true. Like I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine and he was like, man, like my friend is sleeping on our couch because he cheated on his wife and he has like nowhere else to go and is completely broken. And I'm like, and he, and he in that space is like, this is what happens when you sin like and that's a sweet like redemptive moment that they're able to walk into but it's also like saying like hey this is the reality sin it does not matter if people like follow jesus or not sin always has consequences it does not matter there is always collateral damage no matter how big or how small the sin is no matter if you're in jesus or if you're not in jesus now the sin has been paid for for those who are in jesus but it does not take away from the consequences that are experienced upon this earth yeah and there still is this reality of even as you tell that story his conscience bearing witness to what's going on right there what paul says in verse 15 your conscience is still bearing witness uh the world around you is bearing witness it's written on your heart all pointing to, hey, we are all unrighteous before a righteous God. We are all uh, deserve condemnation because we have not met God's standard. We've fallen short of who God is, and that's the reality of who we are. That's the reality of identity. And th- th- what's fascinating about this is we can easily get up 
uh, upset or worried or fearful of a postmodern culture, but it's not actually much different than what Paul was dealing with in the first century. He was dealing with two groups of people. One thought they were good to go because they of Abraham. One thought they were good to go because it didn't really matter, and they were Gentiles, and it was live and let live even in the first century. And so we're, we're just in a very similar place in our context, which is really kind of encouraging of like, you know what, the conversation's just look very similar to what Paul was dealing with 2,000 years ago, helping people recognize who God is, helping people recognize their need for God, um, building relationship in, in such a way that they will ask those questions. There'll be openings to talk about those things. It's not a lot much different than what Paul was dealing with. No, that's so good. So as you think about this text crawl, <clears throat> what are some things that you're like, okay, on a practical level, um, we talked a lot about like, postmodern, post-Christian world, but like practically in your day-to-day life, what are some ways that like this text hits you? Yeah, I mean, I think it is just another reminder. This is kind of the main meta themes and points that Paul is talking about here in these first century, first few verses of chapters of Roman that no one is righteous before God. And, and, he's, and he's, he's setting us up to get to chapters five, six, seven, and eight, which will be so sweet. And, but, but he's, he's, it's, it is just this a reminder again of like, David, you can do nothing. Like, and how do you just fully embrace that? Like the, the Christian life, walking with Jesus is not a competition about who can be the best. It's about who can actually be honest about the depth of their sin. It's not a competition about who can pretend to look good or pretend to have their life together. It's actually the one that can say, you know, those 21 things that Paul lists in chapter one. Yeah, that's me in different ways. All these different places of my own heart and my own life and my own thoughts and my own actions I am a sinner without a defense besides Christ. And whether you're a Jew or Gentile, no matter who you are or where you come from, we're all in that same spot. And so just a reminder to live again before the cross every single day. And I love, though, seeing the way Paul is approaching people who might not be convinced of that and very intentionally yet subversively also bringing them along to say, look at your sin, look at your need for God, which I think is what we're trying to do um, with with our, our yet-to-believe friends and, and family and, and coworkers is we're trying to help them see their need for God. What about for you, Will? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that there's a deep sense of humility there because, like, this is us, right? Like, I think about this text and I'm like, oh, yeah, like— even from a Jew Gentile perspective, like here us living in Western like America, we are these people. Like the this is who we are. Like no matter if you grew up in church or not, like this is we're those sorts of people. So I think about that, and then I also think about um, you know the, what like looking back a little bit to last week, and then how that plays itself out in this week is just the nature in which God. Um, is using us to redeem and restore creation, right? So like, even, even in like, if this is the case, like God is going to use us in spaces and places where our yet to believe friends uh, come to this point where like their conscience is bearing witness to them and he's going to restore them and back to who God is and use us like he's going to use us to say, to be the living proof of our living God. And he's going to, he's going to redeem society. He's going to redeem different things that are taking place in our lives and other people's lives where people are able to look at that and they're able to say, that's different. That's different than the world that's broken. That is um, painful. That hurts. That is centered around myself. So like, what is that? 
and, and that's going to be like, that's something I think about is like, how do we, everything you just said, live in such a way that people start to ask those questions and just realize like, Hey, we get a front row seat to God being God in every single day of our lives. God, what are you inviting me into as a time, no matter if it's taking your car to the shop or if it's at the coffee shop yourself, buying a coffee, having a conversation with barista. Like we are in those spaces and places because God is being God there. Love it. So good. Listener, thanks for joining us today. Continue to ask that question, God, what are you inviting me into? Whether you're driving in the car right now, whether you're at the coffee shop, at the gym, we hope this encourages you and equips you to have a conversation with your group this week and to dive into the text. As always, do your own prep. Let the Spirit lead you and know that you were the one who was sent by God this week to your family, your school, your work, your coffee shop, to the gym, and to soccer practice. Wherever your Pray Watch community might be, and wherever God invites you to go, where you are sent to be the living proof of our loving God. We love you all. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab.